1: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Price of Football podcast The podcast that follows the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day uh, It's currently self-distancing from football finance expert Kieran Maguire over there Although to be fair Kieran, considering the respective clubs we support, we've done a little bit of that We have indeed. And we were doing it in the Premier League, so I'll be really cross if that ends when you've deliberately self-distanced yourself downwards away from Palace. But there you go. Now, um, our producer, Hello Guy, has decided he wants in on this whole disaster capitalism thing. He sees some money in it. So, um, uh, this show is about the coronavirus and the financial implications for football. Now, some of you may think this is not the biggest priority at a time of crisis, but, you know, it's like the arts, it will have potentially a huge knock-on effect for many people. And I think a genuine impact on the physical and mental well-being of football fans all over the country. So it's worth talking about. So Kieran, before, uh, let's face it, you know, mine is kind of mindless pub opinion. Yours is pretty much fact-based. So before we get into that dynamic, let's just recap where we are at the moment. It's now it's Sunday the 15th of March. Um, it's just gone Uh we We're in South London, which is good, except for the fact I should be in Prague. Uh, literally 35 minutes after I collected my money the travel ban was lifted and then the very next day I lost 70 quid on the deal even though I've been with NatWest for all those years. That, that is disaster capitalism. It's, it is proper disaster capitalism. Nat NatWest. Lovely, friendly man on the phones. We've got a personal account because I'm such a walk in disaster area. It's best <laughs> my, my accountant says, have a personal account, pay the extra money. So I've had a really good relationship with my bank manager. He said, no, no, of course, special rate, blah, blah, blah. Which didn't apply when they, when they bought the money back off him. It's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so it's, it's 15th of March. So the, the Premier League and the EFL suspended until the 3rd of April. Although I think we all think that will... Uh, be extended uh, non-league football still going ahead because obviously you know, 5,000 people can still go and see Notts County but 2,000 people can't go and see Macclesfield so there's there's the, all the logic in the world there uh, the Scottish leagues are suspended indefinitely most European leagues have stopped and look like they will stay stopped Champions League and Europa League uh, are on hold UEFA meeting on Tuesday to discuss the future of those and uh, the Euros as well um Domestic matters first, Kieran, and I know you had a remarkably busy day on Friday because you stood me up. I'm very sorry about <laughs> that. <laughs> just to just to put the icing on a really bad day, instead of going to Prague, my wife said, "Come to Eastbourne and see my play," and, uh, which you were going to. I- I'd bought tickets. I know you had. So I was uh, instead of being in Prague with sixteen old old mates, I was going to be in Eastbourne with you and the baroness, which would have been lovely. <laughs> but then you blew me out because you were so busy media. Now, one thing I'd like to to clear up Kieran before we get on to the financial issues. I'm still not entirely sure of the reasons why the PL and the EFL made what, basically a decision that came out of nowhere so I think we all assume they'd wait for government advice but they still haven't elaborated on whether this is because they want to help stop the spread, whether it's because of reducing pressure on the emergency services or whether they're concerned about the safety and well-being of their own players. And assets. I think there's an element of all three of those. If you remember, uh, Mikhail
0: Arteta, uh, yep. he was diagnosed with the coronavirus. So that immediately meant that the Brighton versus Arsenal match was off. Then Callum Hudson-Odoi, he he was diagnosed with the condition. Um, and there were reports of players self, self-isolating self um, from other clubs in the Premier League as well.
1: Yeah, Arthur Boruch as well, at Bournemouth, I think.
0: Yeah, yep. and I, I think under those circumstances we could have been left with a situation where uh, players were showing early symptoms of the of the disease, uh, but they would have been undiagnosed at that point in time. So therefore, the integrity of the matches taking place over this weekend mm. would have been called into question because clearly that would have had an impact upon their physical well-being um, in, in terms of their ability to perform for matches this weekend. As a consequence, I think the, the Premier League made made a holding decision, but they made the right decision. Um, I think they would also have been Concerned about the welfare of their staff, if you've got fifty, sixty, seventy thousand people turning up to a match in a confined space, if if you are a steward, you you have no choice but to get up close and personal to some people, especially when they're acting like clowns. Um, and therefore, um, I've got to give some the Premier League some credit here. They they did the right thing for the right reasons.
1: It's it's strange though. You could you. I I I tend to agree with you. I I still thought it was say hasty. I assumed that they would wait for government advice just as a way of mitigating legal problems down the line. But, you know, I know people who are at Cheltenham races on on Friday for the Gold Cup, having a good time, surrounded by 75,000 people in a bigger environment, and yet couldn't go to a football game on... On Saturday, that's, that dichotomy seemed a bit odd. It, it, it's a constantly evolving yeah. scenario. The, the government advice
0: on Thursday turned into different advice on Friday. And I think by the time we get uh, a few days in, into this week, uh, you know, all, all large public events are likely to be cancelled. Uh, the, the, the Premier League took the initiative, as did the EFL uh, and, and the SPFL, uh, in terms of, of making that decision just because that they don't want to be responsible. As, as Jurgen Klopp, who who I think has actually become a de facto president of the country with some of the comments, he's, he said, if if cancelling a football match means that one less person dies as a result of this, then that is the right decision to make. Mm.
1: Um, let's get on to the cost of this to, to clubs at all levels. I know Shrewsbury's chairman was very anxious on Friday. He reckoned three missing games would be enough to tip the finances of a lot of clubs in in Leagues 1 and 2. Lee Burrows on Twitter is just one of many people who's asked whether we can expect the EFL and the PL to help clubs with cash flow problems. Now, you assume the Premier League would be slightly more insulated than than clubs in League 1 or 2?
0: Yes, um I've t- I've taken a look at the finances of all 92 clubs. Um, over Every the, cloud has a
1: silver lining isn't for, it, for, for me. You, yeah.
0: <laughs> Spre- spreadsheet <laughs> heaven as an you can imagine. <laughs> an unexpected chance for you.
1: Everybody else is thinking, "Oh my god, what's going to happen to Granny?" and you're thinking, "Wow, I can look at all 92 league clubs from a different angle." So, uh, ninety one uh, league clubs are big sorry Berry fans.
0: Um and, and also, I, I think we we now know what it's like to be a Berry fan because we're thinking, well When's my club next going to play a football game, if at all? Um, and it, it, that, that feeling of loss, which is genuine, uh, I think is now more universal. And those people who had no sympathy for Berry are probably
1: now thinking twice as to, well, if one goes, who cares? Well, this is interesting. Again, this, I think we'll get sidetracked quite a lot on this, this pod. But again, that's one of the reasons I'm surprised they made this decision so quickly because knowing football fans as we do, the goodwill will wear, will wear off quite quickly. I thought they'd take another another couple of weeks, and then people might go, "Okay, we're we're fine. The season's over." It's a long time to ask people to go without football. It's a long time to ask the broadcasters to not show any football, and I I I suspect people will be getting impatient. I don't know how that impatience will manifest itself, but I suspect the impatience will manifest itself quite quickly.
0: Yes, I think we've already seen a reaction in respect of the, the, the lack of live TV this weekend yeah. and, and what it's being replaced with. Um, sponsors, broadcasters and, and fans, you know, we're, all, we're all committed to the game in, in various forms. Um, and it, it is gonna, it's going to be a long period without, without the game. Um, and how we're going to cope is, uh, is, is
1: going to uh, prove think, something to do with how good we are as a nation. Well, so far not very. Basically, uh, the, my new favourite swear word is stockpiler. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be calling if I'm annoyed by anybody in future. I'll be calling them a stockpiler because I don't. Let's, it's not that sort of pod. Yeah. Well, a, again, as another somebody asked me yesterday, quite a few of my friends. I was still in Eastbourne, living the dream, but quite a few <laughs> of the people that were going to Prague, we went to Tulloch Hamlet instead. There's quite a big crowd at Dulwich Hamlet. Mm-hmm. What happens if National League teams start getting a 1,000 more people a week? Do they then have to stop the National League? Because in one sense, there are National League fans who oh, go, well, this could be... Actually, this could work out for us in terms of our income. But then if, they, if too many people are replacing League One, League Two, Championship Football, we going to Dulwich Hamlet or Halifax, then they'll end up getting closed. I think uh, the National League's in a slightly different position
0: financially because it gets effectively zero broadcast income and the sponsorship money is is tiny. So therefore, it is very, very reliant upon match day. Uh, it, it was a silver lining for those clouds yesterday. But I, I was looking at the the website of Chesterfield, who, who have dropped down clearly from a couple of seasons ago from the, the EFL, and, and they came out with a very strong statement that they felt it was inappropriate to be playing matches this weekend because of they have they have a duty of care uh, to their employees who could as a result of the match the match yesterday um could have been uh, exposed
1: to the virus. Interesting. Right, let's let's get back to the cost of clubs then. Um I, I think we'll leave the Premier League to last in this because you know it's it, other clubs like Shrewsbury. Are there have you identified any clubs that are more at risk than, than others, or is this an across the board general risk? For all in, clubs. In terms of the
0: EFL, yes, certainly the the clubs in League One and League Two, um, they are living from match to match. Mm. Um, they they get if if you're looking at sort of the, the, the clubs which are getting the the crowds of two, three, four thousand, they're probably getting fifty grand a match um, from a home fixture, um, and. They, they've got bills to pay. So w- what have we seen recently? Well, Macclesfield Town failed to pay their wages in February. South End United failed mm. to pay their wages in February. Both are now up uh, before the EFL on charges. But if they couldn't pay the wages when money was coming in mm. through the gate, then clearly they're not going to be in a position to be able to, to pay the wages and the other suppliers um, in in March, April, May and so on. Uh they are not alone if If you talk to club owners, remember that two thirds of clubs in the e f l are losing money anyway mm. um and that's on the basis of selling tickets. Uh, But it's not just the ticket money that these clubs are generating. It's the fact that they are selling catering, they are selling programmes and things of that nature. And when the the club is is not playing the home games, then it's trying to hire out, if at all possible, the, the, the club's facilities to hospitalities, for weddings, for things of this nature. And all of that's going to stop. Uh, you know, e- either people are going to cancel the bookings, or the club's probably going to have to turn around to them yes, and, and yeah. say, you know, under either government edict or the advice we've had from the EFL, we're not in a position to be able to offer you um, offer offer you those hospitality or catering services. Um, it could be that our staff, are, you know, our staff are at risk, or they've already contracted corona, and, and therefore everybody's effectively on a self isolating lockdown.
1: Or you could take sensible precautions and and make sure you're clean and hygienic. And if you haven't got symptoms, go to work as normal and keep a, apart from each other and try and carry on life as much as possible.
0: Yes, I, I think all, all employers will be will be taking that stake. Um, mm. The problem is if if you are um, an organisation such as a football club, it could be that you have taken the, those precautions but then you've got 50 or 60 people it, it, turning it, it, up, one of whom might be feeling not 100% yeah. that they feel that they ought to attend, um, and very, very quickly, I think that we, we are in completely unknown territory as to how close, how quickly this particular virus spreads between people, and, and until that has been finalised, um, I think people are taking a very cautious approach. Uh, you know, I, I, as you know, I, I work at university, yeah. um, we, we got a, a, an email yesterday, no more teaching face to face um, we don't think exams are going to be taking place in a right. traditional method so we've got to work out alternative forms of assessment uh, and that's that's a precautionary approach in france all all theatres all cafes mm. uh, and and huge swathes of the economy which which contribute far more significantly than the football industry are going to be significantly
1: disturbed financially mm. you say there are a lot of unknowns you haven't spoken to blokes in pubs Ah, <laughs> they, they they don't see many unknowns amongst the blokes in clubs I know. Back to Lee Burrow's question then, talking about whether the EFL will help with cash flow. It strikes me from what you said about South End, Macclesfield, for example, that the EFL would be reluctant to give them the same help that they would for other clubs. And if you've got clubs that are, that are financially struggling because of their own mismanagement, incompetence, bad luck, whatever it is it would be difficult for the AFL to say, right, you can have the same level of help as everybody else, would it or, or will it have to be a blanket I, solution well, if there is such a thing in this case?
0: I, I think we've we've got to look at who is in a physical position to offer help Looking at the EFL's financial, balance, financial, financial, financial help, right. yes. Um, the EFL simply doesn't have the cash to do so. So, oh, so, oh. so let's, let, let's, just, let's just park that idea. Oh, okay. Then I think we, we need to look at all of the, the football authorities and, and all of the, the major players. Um, the EFL doesn't have the money. The Football Association, in their last set of accounts, they had over £40 million. Pounds. Now, I, I've done...
1: We've spoken about that on previous pods as it, well because there was some confusion about that.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, but it, it does. It does have significant Some, amounts yeah. of cash. What realistically are we looking at? If you're a League One or League Two club, you've got six home games remaining. Let's say that they need, on average, fifty grand each to to pay at outstanding Race. costs. Yeah. So which would include wages? Which include wages. Yeah. So therefore, it's three hundred grand per club. You multiply that by the forty-seven clubs. We're talking around about fifteen million pounds. EFL doesn't have it. So, yeah. but let's so they're not in a position to do so. Where else could we look? Well, the FA does have money. The FA will say, well, our responsibilities are towards the England team and grassroots football. The FA is now looking at significant losses um, if uh, Euro 2020 doesn't take place, because uh, in theory, everybody's going to get a refund and there's going to be issues in terms of uh, the, the relationship the FA has with the European broadcasters for uh, Euro 2020 games. So I, I think the FA is in, is in a relatively
1: precarious position. Do you? Think, sorry to interrupt you there, but it's There might not be a place to crowbar this in later on, but do you think they might be helped by the fact that the Japanese authorities have said the Olympics will go ahead come what may? Well, I I think the
0: the Japanese authorities are saying that today. Uh, Will they be saying that in a week's time? At present, the Euro 2020s is on. Uh, it, you know, the nature of the tournament that it's being spread over eight cities across Europe. Uh, I, I think it will be it will be madness on, on the basis of if the um, if if the disease is going to peak in ten to fourteen weeks here in the UK, that that rules it out. Remember, there's ser- there's a significant number of group games taking place in. Uh, London, Glasgow Mm. and Dublin. And then we've got both semi-finals and the final taking place at Wembley as well. So I I can't see it happening.
1: Well, again, this is a problem. And it's another segue because you you say it's going to peak in 10 weeks. Other people are equally convinced it's going to peak in the middle of April. And in the absence of any explanation from our government or our government side, it's the one thing that we're not getting is our government say, well, this is why we're not closing schools. This is why we will be closing theatres. So... The F, it's very difficult for the FAA to, to, to act when they have the same scientific facts that we do, i.e. virtually none.
0: Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're living in a vacuum and, and the trouble is in modern society, we've got the internet and the internet fills that vacuum Doesn't it just, with, <laughs> with yeah, yeah, in, yeah. incredible nonsense. I mean, that 10 to 14 week figure came from listening to chief medical officers yesterday, yeah. but, but that clearly could change yeah. uh, on a daily basis so we've we've established that I think the FA would struggle, the EFL is not in a position. some clubs will have some form of insurance. Yeah, that's, in respect my, that, of this. that's
1: the the probably the most asked question after the cash flow one. right is how insurance works with this, Will insurance companies pay out? Well, if, if the club has specific
0: insurance for events of this nature, then, th- then that there will be paid out.
1: Are but there specific insurance for it? Global, th- there, global?
0: There are. Well, not global pandemic, but, but emergency, uh, emergency type, you know, unexplained events insurance does take place.
1: Well, obviously, that's what insurance is for. But there are, you know, again, this is a phrase I hadn't heard until coronavirus, force majeure, majeure. Yep. which I'm hearing a lot in my industry because TV shows are being cancelled, tours are being cancelled. Did, did it seems to me they've got a perfectly re- reasonable get-out clause if they're going to claim more precautions could have been made to prevent this. Yes,
0: and clearly the insurance companies and the football clubs and their advisers, everybody's going to be looking at the small print. Force Majeure is unexplained event which prevents an, a, a, a contract being fulfilled. Mm. Um, I was looking at an article from, uh, I would say, the, the country's leading sports lawyer, a guy called Nick DeMarco. He published something on Friday and that seemed to suggest there there is as, as more questions and answers with regards to this and it's going to vary from insurance policy to insurance policy to, to case by case my concern is however those clubs that probably need the financial support the most are the ones who are least likely to be able to afford an insurance claim an insurance policy in the first place and they'll have probably taken the view we, we, we can't we, we don't have the money to do it Keep your fingers
1: crossed. Well, also presumably, most clubs you'd be looking at a one-off postponement. Uh, you know, you're looking at a, a, a car, a, a lorry crashing into the stadium, or a, you're not looking. Most people, you wouldn't foresee this, would they? Football clubs, you'd be hard pressed to criticise a club administrator for not foreseeing a global pandemic and insuring against it, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And so, the the one league we haven't mentioned so far, and this is is the Premier League,
0: right? So the Premier League. In the Premier League's balance sheet, in the most recent set of accounts, which was June or July 2019, it had over £1.5 billion of cash. So your first reaction is, well, the Premier League's rich, um, therefore, could it lend a helping hand to smaller clubs? Um, That £1.5 million, I suspect, has been now distributed to the Premier League clubs, to, to fund their wage bill to fund their transfer markets and things of that nature. So whether it has very much cash at present, I'm uncertain. Again, you then look to the individual clubs in the Premier League and what we're seeing is very much a mixed bag. Together, the Premier League, based on their most recent accounts, had over a billion pounds of cash, but that was at the end of June um, and that's going to be because people pay their season tickets in advance, Sky pay their money in advance, the sponsors, they, they, they put down big deposits because what they want to be able to say to the clubs, you're about to go into the transfer market here's here's some cash to go and play with Mm. so do individual clubs have have money to do that i'm I'm uncertain it was noticeable however that if you take a look at manchester united um as you may may be aware their shares are quoted in new york um, and their share price has absolutely tanked um over the course of the week and united um purely because of of, of Corona, right, yeah, because okay. yeah, on the pitch they, you know, they they're on yeah. an upturn, um, and, and you know the, the market normally would say, well, now you've got you know, two or three times the chance of qualifying for the Champions League, so therefore we'd normally yeah. factor that in from a positive perspective, but they've taken absolute hammering this week because they're in the entertainment industry, and clearly that's one of the one of the industries yeah, yeah, yeah. which is going to look the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, on sort of for the rest of this year. Um, thanks, thanks for that, Kieran. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I don't, the last thing I want to do is to be, for want of a better word, tabloid about this because one of the very many things about this whole thing that, I, you know, when Sky or the, or the tabloids, you know, cases don't rise, they soar. You know, everything is exaggerated, everything's hyperbole, everything's designed to scare already scared people, as far as I'm concerned. But there will be Berry fans going, well, hang on a second, if, if the EFL do bail clubs out, if the Premier League do bail clubs out, A, why couldn't they do that for us? But B, Is your instinct that if this does last, if the season is voided, we'll come on to what could happen? Is your instinct that other clubs may join Berry because of it?
0: Unless they are given some form of financial support, clubs will go out of business. So this is where I think the Premier League, even if it gave, say, 300 grand to each of the League One and League Two clubs, as. As an is an interest free loan, or yeah, you know, say well you can repay us over over five years. We were talking in a recent podcast about the 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 clubs being able to give Richard Scudamore a five million pound yes. uh, golden goodbye uh, and the rationale behind that. Well, I'm saying for three times that amount of money we can preserve the integrity of the pyramid system. You know, it's something which you and I have grown up with. You know, we, yeah, we we could be able to used to be able to quote when we were kids. I'm sure which clubs were in which divisions and how many oh, matches always, and so on. Yeah. Um
1: and and then. Managers and their kit and their badge yeah, yeah. Yep,
0: and 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 that is really important to English football. My my concern is that with many elite clubs now being owned by foreign owners who are, who are not familiar with English culture, and this is this isn't a, a an anti an anti foreign owner. Uh, issue. It's simply they've they've grown up with with a different system.
1: Well, also many club owners like Leicester's, for example, who are foreign but fully understood the nature of English football as well. So, yep, some some do, some don't. Some, some not, do, some yeah. don't.
0: But you know, they might be saying, "Well, does, does does it really matter if if Morecambe or Macclesfield or Southend go bust?" But then I think you've got to look to see, uh, you know, you think about our respective clubs. Where did Glenn Murray came for, come from? Yeah, you know, yeah. Started off at Workington Reds, to, yes, then yeah, Carlisle, yeah. then Rochdale, then us, then you. And, yeah. and and his career progressed. Harry Kane spent some of his time on loan at Leighton Orients. De- uh, Jamie Alley, Vardy, yeah. he was signing Fleet for Fleetwood yeah.
1: Town. And played for Halifax, yeah. Deli Alley was a, uh, MK and Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, and to, if, to if, throw if, that away, I think would be would be bad bad for individual clubs, yeah. bad for individual towns, but actually bad for the Premier League as well.
1: I've, and I think there are enough PR gurus to explain that to people, hopefully. But it would mean the AFL, we've learnt from this pod, that would mean the AFL relaxing their own rules, though, wouldn't it? Because Everton, Bill Kenwright tried to help Bury out and was blocked from doing so by EFL rules so the EFL would and presumably they would happily do so but that would mean a rule change by the EFL wouldn't it
0: yes but remember the EFL ultimately is a members club and if the members vote for that change then, then I can't see an issue So those are the the football authorities that could help. Then we say, well, what about government help in terms of either central or local government? I suspect that many, many football clubs will be struggling to pay their their monthly rates bill. So it's not going to come from local government. We, We know that individual councils simply don't have the resources to be able to offer people a potential holiday. Now, I have been looking at some of the changes introduced in the budget um, by the Chancellor on Wednesday, one of which is... For small businesses, and I think many EFL clubs might right. constitute this yeah. un- under the way that they've been defined, um, to to give them some form of assistance in terms of paying their PAYE and NI. You know, the, the last thing that the government needs, and, and this this extends, of course, to all industries, is for individual companies, individual businesses who are on the, the you know, on on the absolute cusp of of survival or or failure, to to go out of business as a result of tax issues. So I think there is. There's a little bit of help there. Is is the government going to help the football industry? No, yeah, you know, as, as a specific industry, because then quite rightly the hotel industry, the restaurant, the arts, of course, you know, of course. You know, so it's yeah. it's it's not going to make football a special case uh, just because we happen
1: to love football. I happen to love the arts as well, so I would like to think both would be special yeah, cases. But yeah. you're absolutely right. They, could, you know, I, I'm sure this government has its priorities. And I doubt if they will tell us those but yeah their priorities will be the people that are most likely to vote for them at the next election would be Uh, I don't think our government are necessarily uh, motivated by the same spirit of goodwill that other European governments are but this is not for that part Um, of course it's not only the impact on on football clubs, it's the impact on the local economy as well, it's the impact on the people who print the programmes, it's the impact on the people in the gig economy who are working in catering and stewards and so so a lot of other people are primed to lose money because of this aren't they now it, in my view as a Palace fan I would like to think that Palace would take notice of that and would help out those people that were affected but if it was a business so there's no legal requirement for them to do so you'd, you'd like to think there was a moral duty but how will it affect the local economy as a football club?
0: Well if if you talk to, to publicans who, who operate near football grounds they're, they're- their twenty biggest days of the year is when the local clubs at home. Um, yeah, well, you know, it, it's it's tough
1: going in that business. Um, I, I'll just stop you there to, for, by way of an advert, that we we've thought of that already because uh, the pub we go to is tiny, and empty during the week. So we're going to try and turn up on mass on Saturday anyway, so there was a game, because you know if if one terrible knock-on effect of this was that that pub went I would be heart I'd be heartbroken but that could be replicated all over the country couldn't it so
0: yes and, and uh, I saw some Tranmere fans yesterday doing something similar in respect of their football club before we come to the issue of refunds we've got fans which we, who
1: which we will do we will do, reward, yeah.
0: yeah um before we come to that particular issue ultimately the most important thing to a football fan is the idea of they want their club to be there in 12 months time in three years time in 10 years time so they can take their kids and their grandkids to the match what some fans are doing well they're saying my finances are sort of okay at present I'm gonna buy my season ticket now for next season because cash flow is critical yet forget profit forget revenue there's a saying in business that uh, revenue is vanity Profit is reality, um, but cash flow is the
1: most important thing. That explains your tattoo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> say that again. So w- w- what's vanity? Because uh, obviously I was trying to think of something funny to say at the end of that serious sentence. Re- I sound-
0: re- Revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity. Cash flow is reality.
1: Yes. Well, I know all about cash flow. Well, let's – and I'm aware, by the way, people listening to this, that yes, it could be considered irresponsible for a load of people to go to a, a pub – for no reason on saturday but if none of us are showing any symptoms uh, exactly uh, and, then, and and if we are we will self isolate otherwise yeah. S- support support your local businesses uh, well, in again, all in all shapes and forms this is something i really want to get across it's, it's really important that where possible we do support local businesses and the local economy because all of us staying indoors except for occasionally venturing out to panic buy a toilet roll and jam isn't going to do any good at all, is it? So I think it's really important that we go to the pub as long as we all feel we're fit and healthy to do so. Well, let's talk about the cost to fans then because, as you say, this is the time of year when we would be looking to renew season tickets. But would we also be expecting, were the season to end now? I know you read the small print of season tickets. I haven't done that. First thing I do, get a season ticket, put it in my card, throw everything away. Two weeks later, I wonder where the fixture list is. Find that. Of course, I don't read the letter. Nobody does, but... Um, in terms of refunds, you know, if, if you're a football fan with three, four, five games still to come on your season ticket, are you looking to get a proportional refund of that? Um, you, you've
0: signed up for a contract for the club to deliver. So no, then, isn't it to, to deliver the matches? <laughs> yeah. um, but there's, I think there's, there's a won't pay and there's a can't pay issue here. Um, it could be that the club has a legal obligation to repay you because it's failed to fulfil its side of the deal. You know, it, it's, it was supposed to provide you with a minimum of X number of football games yeah. and it's failed to do so. But if the club itself has no regular income coming in, then it doesn't have the physical cash. It goes back to this issue of cash flow. The last thing that football clubs need at a time when they can't pay their staff, a time when they, they can't pay their regular suppliers, is for some arsey football fan to turn around and say, well, I've, you've, I've, you've cost me four home matches this season. where I was going to come along and slag you all off. I now want my money back. If you want to do that, then, well, sod you, really. I've, I've got no sympathy for fans under those conditions. You support your club because you love your club through thick and thin. It needs help at present. Yeah, yeah by all means, be pissed off. Um, that you're not going to get to see uh, see all the matches, but uh, the present condition is that matches are
1: being postponed. Oh, yeah, I think I think as well. Most football fans, I think, will make allowances for that. I'm genuinely, yeah. and I'm basing that on football fans that I know and I've, I've met a lot of them. And I think most football fans are sensible enough to go. I think the club will, when things are back to normal, the club will find some way of recompensing us. We'll either get four games, three or whatever. But, and I think clubs will want to do that along the line anyway. But the trouble is, especially at the higher level, is that so many season tickets are corporate season tickets now. So if you've got at the Emirates or the Etihad blocks of tickets that are owned by accountants, lawyers, they probably are going to be arsy about it, aren't they, and want refunds?
0: yes i I think that that certainly the the uh the corporate sector the prawn sandwich brigade however you want to refer to them, they will take a more forensic approach to this they will say, well you've simply breached your contract and, and we will take action um there's that could also be the case in terms of sponsors although I, I do think that's a, to a certain degree <laughs> is a double edged sword because you know if if the sponsor does take legal action against the club, I think the backlash in terms of goodwill against that sponsor... Yeah, yeah If if you destroyed my football club, well, yeah. all football fans are going to say, yeah. we ain't buying your products. Yeah.
1: Um, the Prawn Cocktail Brigade reminds me that I, there's one question I didn't ask you, which I should have done off the back of talking about EFL clubs and your fears that some of them will go bust. I'm presuming that no Premier League club is at risk from anything other than a much, much longer postponement would I be right am, am I optimistic in thinking that they're more in you I I,
0: I think they are okay in the short term and um, you know, one, one of the things we have discovered over the past few months is that this this uh, this gold at the end of the rainbow doesn't actually exist in the Premier League total losses I estimate to be around about 300 million pounds Southampton announced their results last week they lost thirty-five million quid in a year. Now, unless you've got owners, and, and most Premier League clubs do have owners who are in a position to cover those losses, um, we I think we underestimate just how um, significant the, the this discretionary money can be. Spurs get eight hundred grand a month. Sorry, eight hundred grand a match from catering, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it only takes three or four of those to go missing, yeah. and, and you've, got, you've got a problem. I think. One of the things which might save the uh, the Premier League clubs to a certain extent is that almost every club, in terms of its wage structure, heavily incentivises players' wages. So therefore, they get appearance bonuses, they get clean sheet bonuses, goal bonuses. At the end of the season, they get bonuses based on the position of the table. Well, those bonuses can't be paid out. So therefore players are dropping back onto a basic wage. Now, not a basic wage, uh, yeah, as we understand yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but they, but not, so that will help the the Premier League clubs. I think they're in a better position. We are seeing, going back to your, your question earlier, in respect of, well, what about the support staff, the people who are on uh, you know, the gig economy contracts? Do the Premier Leagues have an obligation to pay them? No, they don't. And I'm not saying this is because it's from my club, Brighton on Friday said we will pay all of our match day staff their money regardless of whether the other matches take place or not Good. because it's the right thing to do Good. I'm hoping that other clubs will follow action follow that course of action Um, and that will again help to be part of goodwill manchester united who were criticized earlier they gave 350 pounds to everybody that had bought a ticket for their match in austria that was called off on thursday Mm. they didn't have to do that they did it because it's the right thing to do i think this is an opportunity for the football industry especially the premier league which comes in for a lot of stick to say actually We're not the the pantomime villains that you you think we are. Uh, We saw Aston Villa and Newcastle um, and some other clubs uh, yesterday. All the food that was uh, allocated, that went to the local homeless shelters and things of this nature. Let's show that actually football is a shining example of what's good in this society.
1: Well, I've said this before, but any of us who are involved in foundations at football clubs are aware of some of the surprisingly joined up thinking that does go on in the Premier League and the EFL when it comes to community issues and and again there's another fear that most of the foundations are self-financing but again you know the longer this goes on the more difficult it's going to be for those but the Premier League does do some wonderful community work and I think you're right this isn't if anything good can come out of this it will be a a way of highlighting that yes and and actually saying well as, as you say look yeah we made these decisions early for the for the good of People, we think, we're aware of the economic impacts. We will do our best to mitigate it. Isn't it? I, you know, we'll keep looking at it. But Let's have a look at the options for the for the season. Uh, I, I know this chap, Mr Cadbury's parrot, and such a serious pod, I'm almost reluctant <laughs> to ask Mr Cadbury's parrot's question. But it's a good question. My, my opinion, for what it's worth, and again, this is a classic pub opinion, prefaced by words that I can't stand. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a broadcaster. But... You start. are a broadcaster. Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, you yeah, hadn't thought that. I am. I, oh, yeah, I'm not a scientist. Maybe I am a scientist as well. Um, I'm. I'm fairly convinced that of all the options that are discussed, I think the season will finish, but behind closed doors. I think. I think the broadcasters have got an enormous amount of influence in this. I think they will want to show something. And I think, in terms of preventing legal action, which you know, avoiding the season now and saying Liverpool don't win the title, nobody comes up, nobody goes down. As a friend of mine, as a football lawyer, said, "That's ten years worth of legal problems there." Ending the season now and saying, "Right, the, the three clubs in the bottom three are going down." Come what may, the, again, ten years. So I think the behind the closed doors one is the one, the least worst. But Mr. Cadbury's parrot question is: Are there anything in league rules that cover something as as dramatic as this? Oh, no, there aren't. Uh, That's. The, I, I think. And why would there be? Presumably, yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Let, let's consider all the options. Option A is that we do resume football in three weeks' time, and the matches uh, take place in front of uh, in front of crowds,
1: which is still an option at the moment. It, it is still is, an yeah, option until, I th- first,
0: I think until Thursday when the meeting of the Premier League takes place. And... Um, that would be best in terms of clubs' cash flow. That will be best in terms of the. The, the the physical and mental well-being that football brings yes. to communities which i think is underplayed
1: and to and to millions of people who watch it as well yeah not, not just the local community but yes
0: um so so that's option number one i think that's unlikely yeah. option number two again the matches are played this time behind closed doors um it, it, it would be surreal. I think that would be the, the best option in terms of mitigating potential legal action because then in terms of sporting integrity, the Premier League is based yeah. on 38 games and the EFL games are based on 46. Whether that is feasible... Um, it's, I think it's because you will still need staff. You will yes, still you still need stewards, you will still still need people to still need the ball boys, you'll still need the management it, staff.
1: Easier to, easier to do the social distancing thing and more manageable numbers, etc. That's right. Less pressure on emergency services and it i for me that seems to be the only logical conclusion. But we've seen in the past from the EFL and the Premier League that logic.
0: Well, Does, but, but that's—I yeah. think—that's good from uh, a sporting integrity. From a cash flow point of view, Doesn't it's a disaster. Matter. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, the clubs will be saying, "Well, we've got costs being incurred in putting on the matches. We're not getting any revenue." You now, could perhaps Sky, who have got a five-year contract with the EFL, this is a chance for Sky, who come in for a lot of stick, because you know, yeah. they're not giving refunds to Sky Sports subscribers. Could Sky say, well, actually, we're going to give you an advance of next year's money if you go and play the games behind closed doors, because that will allow us to broadcast them. It would allow our advertisers to get their products in at half time. People are still going to watch the matches. And it could be that you know, there's... There's a way of rewarding season ticket holders or people who have bought tickets because all clubs have databases these days. Um, The EFL have something called iFollow, which does allow people to pick up individual matches. And what the EFL could therefore say is that everybody who's a season ticket, they can watch their club's home games on this thing called iFollow, the Premier League have the facilities to do something very, very similar to that. So, yeah, OK, I'm not going to the match. I'm not buying the pie. I'm not buying the programme. Not the, the clubs will be getting less money, but they are getting some benefits as well.
1: well. From the broadcaster's point of view, I'd imagine the figures would be twice as high again as, as normal for the, for the circumstances. So yeah. advertising revenue would probably... Increase greatly, I would have thought. Well, well, potentially because let's face it, we're not going outside of our houses
0: to do other things. So actually, you know, it would give an opportunity for for people to to watch the matches at home, um, who had perhaps been thinking of doing other things. So okay. yeah, there could be uh, a, a paradoxical benefit to advertisers from this. They won't be up in their rates. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty 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 much yeah. sure of that. So that's those those are two options. So what are the non football options in? Well, the the non football options are. That we suspend the season as is today, and promotion and relegation are based on what we've seen from a sporting integrity point of view. It, it, it's a non-starter. Um, you know, people will point out to me as a Brighton fan, our next four home games: Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City. Yeah, are you going to lose all four of those?
1: Well, Karen, Karen Brady is the one who's very vocal about this. Has the solution? But you know, to to quote a, a different case, she would say that, wouldn't she?
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that would. I don't think that would stand up. I think there yeah. there would be litigation from Bournemouth, Villa, and so on. Yeah. Um, is is there? And some...
1: presumably the two clubs from the Championship that are not getting promoted, so yeah. Leeds and West Brom. Uh, Unless you do promote
0: them and have a bigger league. Well, I I think that's something which which has been mooted over the last 24 to 48 hours. And effectively, what you do is that you retain all 20 clubs in the Premier League at present. And then Leeds and West Bromwich Albion are added to those two. So next season, we have a 22-team Premier League. And what will happen is that there'll be four teams relegated and the top two from the Championship would get promoted. It's upsetting for those people in a playoff place there's always going to be a loser whatever decision which has been made but I think that would be the minimal that would minimise the, the legal wranglings um, in terms of what's
1: available Well it, it would because the Premier League would have to agree with that so it would be a Premier League vote but I can almost guarantee the, the one time when four teams got relegated Palace were the 14 relegated by some considerable distance. So I can almost guarantee that we would be the 14 relegated next season by some considerable distance. And there are people who say, well, that's not fair legally. So, whoever gets, whoever, if that does happen, whoever's the 14 relegated will be absolutely furious and they'll be looking at legal action. So, it's. It, they, they will be, but this decision would have to be made by, by the, the Premier League. The Premier League
0: yeah. is a members club. Yeah. All decisions require two thirds of the clubs to vote in favour. Now, if those clubs at the bottom of, towards the bottom of the Premier League, and let's be honest, we both support clubs who, who are quite quite common features.
1: Three weeks ago, I would have agreed, to, you speak for yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, normally, yeah. yeah. You're quite right. Talking other seasons, yeah.
0: Um, if if those clubs say, well, hold on, you know, let, let's vote to retain the Premier League at 22 clubs, what will happen is then you will get the the big six. They will turn around and say, that is not in our best interest because we want an extended Champions League. Yeah. We will offer our resignation from right. the Premier League. And now you can have you 22 clubs, but they're not going yeah. to involve United, Chelsea, Arsenal, City, Liverpool and so on.
1: So, which only goes to prove that whatever solution is taken... Isn't going to be the end of it, is it? There's there's ramifications for this for seasons ahead. Yeah, but
0: if if there, if there was a simple solution, yeah. somebody would have identified it by now, and it would have been made. Yeah,
1: and, and what about the option where we don't void it? We stop the season now. We say, right, Liverpool have won the Premier League. The two teams are going down, so there'll be a lucky escape for Bournemouth. Presumably, two come up. No playoffs. Tough if you're in the in the top six. This episode of the Price of Football is brought to you by the AI powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action.
0: My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer.
1: You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football.
0: Well, um, who are the two teams at the bottom? You've got Norwich and Villa. Villa. Um, if, if I was the chief executive of Villa, I'd be putting in a legal claim to say, well, got we've, we've got hand. nine games left. We yeah. could have picked up 27 points. Yeah. They've got
1: games in hand as well. Two games yeah. in hand, most teams, yeah.
0: So, so it, it, there, is no, there is no simple solution to all of this.
1: What, what about, the, we've had some questions about specifics. Um, uh, Aaron Waite, for example, asked, how would a, a delay affect season-long loan deals? So would the season be considered finished now or would, would a player that you've got on loan, you know, if we if we start again in August, how does that work? I, I think this is actually um, an elephant in the room that which nobody's really mentioned
0: to date. Oh, well
1: <laughs> Aaron. Or is that an implied criticism of me, though? No,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he's raised a very good point. Most football player contracts expire at the, at the season end of the 30th of June. So so they have a contract of employment which expires on the 30th of June.
1: Actually I didn't know that. So that's that's considered the end of the season the That's right. Of June. That's quite a long um, time after the season's finished, isn't it in terms of
0: it, it is. I mean you can if if a player is being but you think about when the window starts. The, win, the window effectively <laughs> yeah. starts on you know at the start of June. So uh, you know that's... That, or well, there's, there's a little bit of overlap, but that's, not a lot.
1: There's something else that's going to be affected. Whatever happens, the transfer window is going to have to go out the window, isn't it, really?
0: Yes, and I think those clubs that have historically have been reliant upon the, uh, the transfer market as a means of generating cash, they're going to be in a terrible position because nobody's going to go into the market uh, until... We we know for certain how the the virus issue is going to be resolved. So you're not going to go in in, if you're you're thinking, well, I was going to get a centre half in July. I would pay up to fifty million pounds if the season's not going to start until October or yeah, November we well, yes, there's no yes. way that you're going to do it this is going to have to be a worldwide or at least a UEFA based decision as to how the windows are going to operate not just in not just in England across the whole of Europe right. because it could be that we come out of this relatively quickly or it could be that Germany come out of the virus situation very, relatively quickly yeah. but you've still got hot spots in Spain and Italy and so on Um, So, I think that's going to be a massive issue. My my concern in respect of the integrity of fixtures, if they let's assume that Euro 2020 is going to be cancelled, I think that's a fair assumption. If the season overlaps into July and August, you will have players who are effectively unemployed from the thirtieth of June. Now, do they go back to their club that they played for last season, or have they managed to get themselves a contract? Especially in League One and League Two, you're only on a one or two-year contract. It's a pretty precarious existence in those leagues. Your 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 first commitments towards put you know paying the rent and, and looking after your family. Um, if you are, let's say that you're you're Carlisle and you're in the playoffs in in League Two. Um, or something of that nature, what happens at the 30th of June? Do you carry on paying for your, for your previous club in July, mm. risk getting injured mm. when you've already been accepted an, an offer of a contract from Plymouth or somewhere else? Mm. So it, I think from we've got to think not just of the clubs, but we're talking about young men who have got their, their financial futures yeah, of ahead of them.
1: Um, a lot of people have asked this, I think partly because you've scared the bejesus out of people about F- FFP since we started the pod. Um, Chris and Lou on Twitter, are, uh, two people, said so that would a change in the year end impact FFP because a longer season is going to incur extra wage costs? And Lou points out, you know, everyone is going to have higher losses, surely. So, surely FFP will have to be given a breather, won't it? Or well, presumably not for those clubs that are already in trouble, but. I, I, some leeway, surely, isn't I, it? I,
0: I think for the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Macclesfield, and South End, who have had financial issues or have had charges levelled against them prior to the, 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 the rise of the virus here in the UK, I think those cases will continue. Although, if I was the EFL, that wouldn't be the top of my inbox. Yeah. Um, I, I would expect an emergency general meeting of EFL owners to take place, and at that meeting, they will agree to suspend financial fair play considerations for 2019 20 because we are living in exceptional times and these are exceptional circumstances. So, therefore, you cannot apply the standard rules and then. Either the rules, there'll be nut. There it could be that they'll be they'll give them another twelve months grace because there will be a recovery time for mm. twenty 2020, twenty-twenty one. And we start FFP effectively with a clean sheet in twenty twenty-one-22.
1: But again, I haven't got your accountancy brain or legal acumen. That again, that seems to me that in five years' time there's gonna be still gonna be people with clever lawyers going, well, hang on a second, there's still a knock-on effect from from two years ago, and and how come that club's been affected and we're not affected? So, again, whatever decision is made, it, there's no decision that can be taken that isn't without a ripple effect, is there? There is, but again, I go go back to the fact that
0: both the uh, the Premier League yeah, and exactly. the EFL are members' clubs. Now, you know, if I I, I used to belong to a running club, you know, I therefore had to abide by the rules of the club. If I didn't like them, I just had to go and stop running with that club. What, what, it's the what? same.
1: What, what, what running rules do you have? No walking.
0: Well, yeah. You know, in terms of your conduct, if you if you are on club oh, nights, you know, don't, don't,
1: um, don't read spreadsheets in the shower. That sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Of course. It's the more I think about this, the more I think how unlucky Burnley uh, Berry would be if, if all this was happening this season. Berry would probably still be with us. Uh, potentially, yes. I, I, I think we could be here talking for to, for two or three hours about domestic football. We haven't got that length of time, so. Uh, our sympathies, I'm guessing the sympathies of most people listening to this, are not with the clubs in the Champions League. That's not most of our priority. No. Um, although, God forbid, you and I have occasionally will have gone to sleep tonight, at night, not tonight, we're not sleeping together tonight, it's social distancing, separate rooms tonight. <laughs> you know, occasionally, you and I will have dreamt of a, a, a trip to Turkey in the Europa League, you know, but we're not in that club yet. So the impact of... The cancellation of chat. I mean, Arsenal fans are probably thinking this is a good deal because they're not going to be disastrously down the Swanee like they thought they were. So, how will it affect those clubs that are still in the Champions League and Europa League? Well, if these, if the uh,
0: Europa League and Champions League are suspended, um, I think uh, UEFA will pay out on the basis of their progress to date. Um, so therefore, they will lose out an element. But uh, yeah, we, we are now sort of in the, yeah, the last 16, last eight phase of the tournaments. Yes, there is considerable money involved for those clubs. But Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, yeah, and so on. Uh, yeah, I appreciate Liverpool aren't in it. Um, but those clubs are in a far better position to, to survive, I think clubs in the Europa League, especially from the the non Big Five nations, they are more reliant upon UEFA money than than other clubs, and and therefore they will be they will be struggling. But they'll be struggling just as equally because I suspect their domestic leagues are not taking place, and they're in the position of every every EFL club that we've that we've been discussing um, throughout the course of this pod. So do,
1: do you think then is your instinct that any domestic football fixture pile up, which seems is one of the, the clearest options that we do? continue the league May, June, July etc. Is that going to impact on UEFA's third competition in the likelihood being that there simply won't be any spare days in the next two seasons to start?
0: I think that's that's a a huge issue and we've got another bogey bogeyman in the form of the world cup 2022 which was already going to disrupt the domestic seasons yes. in europe for for 2021 22 because it's taking place in the winter now could that be rescheduled i i i well i think mm. it could be yeah that would be one solution or do we end up effectively paying uh, playing uh, one season over over two years um and then we sort of start afresh um I'm fairly aware that there are meetings and there are calls and there are WhatsApp groups between all of the Premier League chief executives, and, and you know, and, and those messages are pinging through on an hourly basis um, as more data becomes available, and as they, they will, they will have been speaking to government, they will have been speaking mm-hmm. to their health advisors, even if we we get a, a pretty quick recovery from this players who have been self-isolating they're not in a position to play football Yeah, you know, they, yes, they yes, are yes. elite athletes it's, yeah. it's not like me or you who can just just rock up to a local park and display our silky skills you know, they, they, they actually have to put a bit of effort in beforehand I can't do that anymore because okay. I've
1: never been part of a running club rule breaker <laughs> or no rule breaker I take it you're not part of a running club anymore you're implying that you you infracted the rules of the running club? And, um, unfortunately,
0: I, uh, I effectively broke my knee in the Dublin Marathon three years ago. Is that against the rules, is it? That is against the okay. rules. Um, I, I, I knackered it after 20 miles, and being a bloke, I carried on running. For, so I, I've had three operations since, oh, and it's oh. still not working. Oh, I'm
1: very sorry to hear that. Sorry. Let's move on. Um so rescheduling the euros for next year that is going to have a massive impact on the World Cup season as well, which is a do you remember the old days when tournaments used to go ahead and leagues used to carry on as well Yes. I and mean, then when we when we were growing up you, most clubs didn't supply players to to England, so if England were playing, you'd still have a league game, so that's got to be a possibility as well although again the the major clubs are at a massive disadvantage if If that's the case, because they have five players down, aren't they?
0: I think, uh, yes, uh, we've got the African Cup of Nations. Will that be impacted? Because that's now become a winter tournament taking place in in January 21. World Cup qualifiers for 22, how how are those going to be squeezed in? Um, I, I think this is indicative of football was very much at the limit in terms of the number of matches that were taking place. Perhaps it does give clubs and uh, administrators an opportunity to to sit back whilst it's in recovery mode and come up with a football calendar which makes more sense although the fact that we've got UEFA and FIFA effectively at war Mm. um, in terms of FIFA wanting an expanded World Club Cup competition because they've seen how much money is made from the Champions League Uh, common sense and and those institutions when they're they're squabbling for for rights is is something which has been in short supply historically
1: We talked about insurance for league games what about the insurance effect if the Euros are, are cancelled? Because we know the FA have invested a lot of money. Again, this is something I learnt from you because I assume that the reason there was games in Kazakhstan was because the UEFA were trying to be nice to the smaller countries. But no, because Kazakhstan could afford to bid for games. So we know the FA have coughed up a lot of money to get games here, as the Irish FA has, the Scottish FA has. Losing that potential income will have an impact on grassroots football. Well, you know, there's... there's Exactly the bottom of the period that we've been talking about, but surely they will be insured. The FA, national FAs, will have had enough money to pay for insurance at that level. Surely they,
0: they, they certainly will have insurance policies. Um, you would expect those to cover major events such as terrorism, because that is is clearly a risk uh, today in in the, ma- in the major cities in which these take place. Whether that will cover uh, an, an incident such as a pandemic. It's it's all down to the small print, and, and I can guarantee you that this weekend the insurance companies and the FA will both be going through clause yeah, uh, twenty seven point six I to see whether or not uh, they they can wriggle or be forced to pay out because it um,
1: could cripple the insurance companies as well, couldn't it?
0: It will be it will, well, it will be a major hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, you know the nature of insurance is that they make mo- they make money most years, and and they 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 effectively have to go and pay out once you know, once every few years when, when there is a, a major issue going back to nine eleven for example the yeah. insurance companies survived
1: are there that's a very good point are there specific companies that i've never heard of that that insure sports events or are we talking about your, your high street insurance companies no
0: right? we, we that the, the, the nature of insurance is it is very specialist and, and therefore there will be specialist insurers but also reinsurers because what will happen is that the insurance companies themselves will take those premiums and they will say well well, actually if something does happen you know there's, if there's a major terrorist incident or there's a major this is a major issue we can't afford to pay out all of that money and therefore they will have effectively you know, a bit like some of the betting exchanges yes, they will have laid so, yeah. off the, the money they've received um, with, with other parties as well yeah,
1: that, that- I don't mean this to sound flippant in any way, but the terrorism parallel is quite interesting. because I know, quite a few people who are treating this zone as a potential terrorist threat. As like, I'm going to carry on with my daily business because otherwise the virus is run. Yeah, and in a way, I kind of, I, I kind of admire that approach to it. I, I
0: think, yeah. I think that's the that that is what is best for the economy. Yeah, you you work on the basis of a. I'm going to get it at some point. Minimize risk. So exactly the same thing that we do when we fly. We go through security. Yes, we we accept that there there are restraints on on the way that we can behave so we do exactly the same and if if it could actually be there, there could be some paradoxical benefits if we as a nation start washing our hands after going to the toilets it, it, then i don't yeah. think there's a, that's a, that's a bad thing because that's going to that's going to reduce the spread of other diseases it,
1: it was slightly distressing to discover that there were people who weren't doing that anyway well i, I so subscribe they,
0: yeah. to have you heard something called pot bitch
1: I didn't realise Pop Bitch was still going. Basically, well, Pop, Pop, but Pop Bitch After, is, after is, being mentioned in it in a. Oh, in a, not in a particularly bad way. Just, you know. Does I, 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 it still have refreshing the 90s? And you subscribe to it? I, I subscribe to Pop Bitch. Viz and Pop
0: Bitch? Absolutely. And this I have been in Viz. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my hat is doffed. Oh, you're welcome. Um, if, if you take a look at this week's Pop Bitch, it actually lists celebrities who wash their hands after going to the toilet and those who don't including some very
1: prominent politicians how do they know these things
0: uh, well it's 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 a it's a, it's a closet industry it's a, it's a it's bit like a bit like the elves on QI there's people reporting and and snitching
1: all the time yeah i know some of the elves on QI they're quite overweight some of those elves on QI like the elves on only connect they're not not as elvish as you might think <laughs> uh, no offence to elves on QI but you know some of them are probably not washing their hands after um, yeah, it's. it's I'm, I'm not entirely sure we've covered ourselves in glory as a country in the last few days. But football, is, is it resilient enough, do you think, to... I mean, I don't think football, since the war, when, of course, football stops. well, official football, mm. and there, there were war leagues and, and yep. all sorts of regional leagues, and football still carried on. Theatres closed for, for 10 days until they realised that was a, a mistake, morale-wise, and theatres reopened. But... I don't think football would ever expect to suffer from anything as long term as this. Is is it resilient enough to to survive? It, it it is resilient enough to
0: survive in the short term, provided some cash assistance is given to those clubs who are most vulnerable. The longer this continues without clubs being able to generate cash the, the more my concerns is that what we have at present in form of the you know, presently 91 clubs um that could that could easily um be be reduced um or we have some sort of quasi you know semi-professional football taking place in the lower leagues mm. um which would be a shame because i i think we all do love the the fact that you know the likes of wigan can come from uh, from nowhere and get to the Premier League and win the FA Cup. Uh, and I think that would make it more difficult um, if, if, uh, if the professional level of football was reduced.
1: Will there be a way, and I think, because we need to end this now, and it'd be nice to end on a positive note if we can, football fans will want to help their clubs in any way possible. Do you think there will be clubs looking at some kind of temporary crowdfunding thing, looking at fans helping out of because fans will want to do that, won't they? Yep. If they can, wealthier fans will want to donate money. Fans with, who, who can donate a fiver will want to donate a fiver because they want to be part of this rescue attempt. In that, the, that's it, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most football fans
0: are fantastic. You know, it's, I, I think we get, we, we get waylaid by, by the clowns on social media of course, and, of and the people who, who, who go along for football for, to get drunk and cause a bit of aggro. Um, You've only got to look What's at... Nothing wrong camp- with
1: the first bit of that. The second bit, yeah. Which is why I'm going to ride this out more than you, because it's, it's not going to... Nothing, I'm pickled. <laughs> <laughs> you healthy people, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, Berry Football Club,
0: when they were in the, the Football League, they had a buy-a-seat campaign yeah. 15 years ago. I bought a seat. We've seen that Wimbledon have managed to raise over £5 million for the Wimbledon bond. Norwich City have done similar. I, I think some form of crowdfunding um, is, is feasible, um, and there could be benefits given to to the fans. You know, you're gonna get a free you know, if, if when when the match matches resume, if you put in over hundred quid, you get a free shirt next season. Mm. Um, you get a chance to vote on our next away kits colours. Yeah, you know, there, there are there are ways of giving benefits which aren't necessarily costly financially to the club, to the fans who are prepared to do things of like this. Also, there there are owners who love their clubs and if some of them have money, I think they, they will do the best that they can because it, it is a central part of our life. It is the glue which binds us together.
1: I'm glad you said that because to come full circle, you know, I love the theatre. Yeah. I love opera. I love ballet. All right, If I could never see another live ballet again, mm. tough, fine. If I could never go to the theatre again, if I could never see another Shakespeare play again, if I could never go to Eastbourne again to see a play about Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. already... The, the thought of there being no football is astonishing. Yep. But not just in the game itself; just missing the everything around it. And so, we, if anything does come out of it, it's the fact that we've learned how much we love our game and how much we need it at every level.
0: Yes, it, it's, it, it, it brings solace to the lonely. It yeah. brings um, it brings friendship to people who don't have friendship. I, I maintain. You know, we've both been following our clubs for probably fifty years yeah, or yeah. so. Football is a fantastic day out, ruined by 90 minutes of activity in the middle. (laughs) But it's that fantastic day out. It's the fact that we've got blokes in their 50s and 60s like us who are talking to people. uh, And we don't talk as, you know, we're not good at communication. Football allows us to do that. Football allows you to hug strangers. When was the last time you hugged a stranger other than a football match?
1: Yesterday morning. Oh, really? No, yeah, you don't need to know why, but it's, it's fine. It's, uh, he didn't want to be hugged, but, you know, it's a theatrical situation. Um, also, as well, football, and football fans, non-football fans, won't understand this, but they won't be listening to it, so it doesn't matter. You can't; It's impossible to explain what, how much we love the game. But also, we travel the country. We've got empathy. We see what life is like in recession-hit areas. We know what other towns look like. So we, we're more out of the bubble than other people. We've got. I, I remember going to a wedding recently and being sat at a table where nobody liked football. I literally had nothing to talk about with these people. It's a nightmare, and he, and I blame them, not me. So I've got all sorts of interests, but they just without football because no, that's the first question. You know, who do you it support? Is. Ten minutes later, you're finding things out about this bloke who tells you he supports Stoke. And he says, Oh yeah, when I was at Stoke, and he he's, he knows a steward. It's a, it's it's brilliant, and it, like I say, if anything, it just shows you how important it is to us. And how we need to fight to keep it going.
0: That's right, and, and you hear all of these great things taking place. I think Rotherham were playing an away match a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and they went en route. They stopped in Berry to support the publicans in Berry who have, have, who have lost out in business themselves. Four four coaches turned up. Well, what a fantastic idea! Yeah. They're, they're, I think what we're seeing at present is an opportunity to prove that we at all parts of football fans, administrators, owners, players, and so on, actually. Nearly all of us are good people.
1: Yeah. here, hear. hear. Um, we do have other podcasts that we have recorded, so they'll be out in the next few days, um, including a very, very open, refreshing and frank interview with Neil Doncaster, who's the supremo of Scottish football, um, which we recorded before all this took place. So um, so our schedules is sort of all over. We will be recording other pods. We will keep returning on a Monday and Thursday. Yep. And... I suspect we will find things to say and hopefully before long we'll be finding things to say about football issues rather than coronavirus issues. But until then, we are Adapted Production. If you do have questions for us, it's questions at priceoffootball.com and we'll see you shortly.
0: football. Goodbye, folks. Wash your hands. <laughs>
1: i stop for